Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Hashtag Gen Z is a podcast about all things Generation Z. That's a generation of young people born between 1995 and 2010. It's about who they are, what they believe in, why they do what they do, and what makes them different than any other generation that's come before them. Welcome to Season 2 of Hashtag Gen Z. I cannot wait to get the season started. For those who are just joining us, my name is Megan Grace, and I'm a generational researcher, author, and host of this podcast. I focus my work on better understanding this generational cohort, and while my research keeps me in the know about what's going on with Gen Z, I'm fascinated by the lives and stories of the members of Generation Z. This podcast exists to share those stories while exploring trends that relate to Generation Z. For those returning, it's great to have you back, and I hope you're as excited as I am to continue to learn about Gen Z. As I discussed last season, my co-author and research partner, Dr. Corey C. Miller, and I recently released a new book, Generation Z, A Century in the Making. This book dives into nearly every aspect of the lives of Gen Z. Writing this book gave me new motivation and new topics to become interested in and explore. That has become a primary source of inspiration for much of this season. If you haven't yet, head over at Amazon or Rutledge.com to grab your copy. It's a great primer for the conversations I'll be having with my guests this season. I'm kicking off season two with a topic that I've actually been studying since I was an undergraduate. I've been fascinated with communication behaviors for a while now. Our research with Gen Z has led us to better understand communication methods and preferences among this group. In our 2014 study, we found that Generation Z prefers and values in-person and face-to-face communication methods over anything else, which seems opposite to what we observe with this highly technologically connected group. After in-person communication, they prefer text messaging or other messaging means to connect and they're not heavily using or preferring to use emails or phone calls. While our study did not include social media in this focus area, we do know that social media is an important means of communication and connection for this generational cohort. Last season, Natalie Riso shared her insights and experiences as a member of Generation Z working in social media, so go check out her episode to learn a little bit more about that. But this episode focuses not only on the types of communication methods Gen Z is using, but also the motivation behind their communication preferences. Andrew Roth joins me to discuss communicating with Gen Z. Andrew's a sophomore at Vanderbilt University with a passion for innovation, a curiosity about the future, and a unique ambition to be a driver of change. As a serial entrepreneur, Andrew's adventures began with his creation of Champions for Charity, a nonprofit empowering youth to make a difference in their community through sports. Upon arriving at Vanderbilt, Andrew experimented with online marketplaces before starting his current endeavor, Gen Z Designs, which is a consulting business helping organizations and brands connect with Generation Z through digital appearances. As a Gen Zer, Andrew recognized how many businesses were failing to attract young people with their websites and brands. Through Gen Z Designs, brands utilize Andrew's 3i approach, impression, interaction, and influence to help win over the attention of Generation Z. And I'm excited to have Andrew on today to discuss more about how we can connect and engage with Gen Z through communication. I'm really excited to welcome my guest today, Andrew Roth. We actually got connected through good old-fashioned social media. Andrew reached out a few months ago and is actually a fellow Commodore, uh, so it's excited to be able to 
spend time and actually interact with him in person a few times before he's come on the podcast. And I'm excited for him to be here today and to share a little bit about who he is and what he does, especially as we think about communicating with Generation Z. I think it's a topic that I talk about often when I'm working with clients and people that are interested in the topic. And Andrew also does some really great work in the area. So Andrew, why don't you tell me a little bit more and our listeners a little bit more about you know who you are and what, what you're up to? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, really great to be on the on the podcast. Um, so yeah, my name is Andrew Roth. I'm a sophomore at Vanderbilt University, uh, studying human and organizational development, um, which is kind of the, the fancy words here for business psychology uh, in two words. <laughs> um, and then minoring in Spanish, and then uh, medicine, health, and society. So a lot of different interests, but. Uh, I'm also really interested in entrepreneurship. Um, I've been involved in the area for a while. Uh, worked with a starting a nonprofit back in high school, and kind of now getting more into the consulting side of things. And, and as as you mentioned, I've recently been working on a project related to Gen Z, um, which is a design firm helping companies engage um, engage with this this new generation using designs so that's what i'm doing right now and it's it's awesome to be in this space and it's exciting as a as a member of gen z to to just be able to offer my unique and and real opinion on on subject matters that older people millennials might not be able to to understand as well Absolutely. I think that, uh, and I've been able to kind of witness a little bit of your work and what you do with your design work and helping companies. And I think that it's bringing a unique voice to, to Gen Z. And sometimes we older generations, as I say, we old people, but not that much older, um, think we know a lot, but it's important that we actually have these conversations with you all. And so I'm thankful that you're here to, to discuss this a little bit more with communicating with Gen Z Mm. and, I mean, let's just get right into it. So my research, and I know that you've you've sat in on one of my sessions and you've kind of done a little bit of reading in the research is pointing that Gen Z actually prefers to communicate the old-fashioned way and places face-to-face and in-person communication as the most important. What are your thoughts on this? Like, do you see this to be true? Is this something that you're seeing being relevant and important with your peers? Yeah, definitely. I, I would 100% agree. I do think that face-to-face or in-person communication um, it's definitely the most important um, and most most valued, I would say. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's used the most, and that's just from a strictly con- uh, convenience perspective. You know, I think I wouldn't say that I don't want to give the impression that Gen Z is lazy, uh, but I would say that you know, rather than having to to walk somewhere to ask someone if if they're able to talk, I'd, I'd send them a text and just you know say, hey, are you free to chat for a few minutes? You know, just it's all in my mind a, a matter of saving a few extra minutes so you can spend spend that time doing something else and being more productive so i you know definitely definitely face-to-face is most valued and i think that's something pretty misunderstood in terms of our generation um you know the stereotype of just people looking at their phones and all in the same area and no one's talking to each other which which can be true but at the same time you know face-to-face is definitely valued more so you bring up the really important i think component here is the fact of of technology and you know, you mentioned that face-to-face is the most valuable, but maybe not the most utilized, which is an interesting thing that we place a lot of value on it, but we might not necessarily do it. Um, from your perspective, how do we foster more in-person and face-to-face communication in a high-tech world? Like no matter where we go, it's it's kind of, it's a high-tech space that we live in, even in school and, and work. So how can we foster more of that valuable in-person and face-to-face time? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that a lot of it's actually happening on its own. Um, things like FaceTime, you know, it, it seems in a way that that's not 
really what someone would call in person, but in terms of a Gen Z perspective, it's, it's basically as close as you're going to get. And sometimes it's as good as you're going to get to in person. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's crazy popular. I, I don't know how much other people use it, but I'm, I use it every day. Um, talk to friends from home and, and just connect with people like that. Um, but also, you know, if you look at trends and the way technology is advancing and especially the way young people are using it, video is such an important part of, of where we're going. Um, you know, new apps, new, new trends are, are being brought up every day. You know, there's a new app called TikTok that's super popular just because it's a video connection, you know, a way to see people's emotions and see people kind of face to face. And, you know, some of it it doesn't really have to be forced as much as it might seem. And I think because it is something we value, like you said, not necessarily use the most, but because it's something we value, I don't think it's something that's just going to be washed away. I think that trends are going to emphasize that. And, you know, something like YouTube is a, is a great example. Like YouTube's the most popular media amongst, you know, Generation Z. Um, and that's just because of the, the ability we have to connect with someone face to face like that. And again, like not necessarily being right in front of the person, but it's, it's still being able to see their emotions and, and pick up on signals that you wouldn't be able to necessarily tell from a text message. So I'm going to have an old person moment. I have no idea what TikTok is. Okay. Can you please, and I know, I know I'm not alone out there. Can you please shine some light on what TikTok is? Sure. Uh, I'm not a huge user of it, but I will say it's, it's essentially, um, if you remember what Vine is, it's essentially like a, a play on that. It's kind of just quick, short videos that are funny and, uh, or, you know, music, quick music bits or something just to catch people's attention and people can like them and they're pops, you know, there's a popular section. It's, it's really a, a pretty similar idea to Vine that a lot of people in my generation are, are still missing these days. Um, but TikTok seems like a kind of the, the next thing from Vine. So is it like, not like Snapchat where I would send, say like my two friends this, it's like posting it to a timeline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like like timeline maybe like Instagram, similar mindset. Exactly. You can follow people. You can kind of see what's popular. It's all that. Interesting. Okay. I will check yeah. this out. I don't know if it's going to be for me, but I will check mm -hmm. it out because I think I used Vine for like uh, 13 total days and did not contribute anything. So I was not a good Vine user. <laughs> this is shocking to everyone I know. Um, okay. So face-to-face -face, still important, but like we can't at all ignore the fact that y'all text message and mobile message a mm -hmm. lot. You know, some people would think that text messaging is somewhat unprofessional because you, you take it everywhere. But like, what are your thoughts on text messaging? Um, do you think it's a necessary medium for connecting with Gen Z? Yeah, I mean, I would say, especially Gen Z to Gen Z, it's it's 100% effective. And, and definitely, like I, I mentioned before, it's, it's the most efficient. I mean, I know if I send a text message to someone that they're going to respond within 5, 10, 15 minutes just because, you know, I know them and that their phone's on them and that's that's kind of what we do. And you know, on the contrary, like I, I wouldn't Facebook message someone if I'm trying to get a hold of them because that's less efficient. I know they wouldn't check it for maybe a few hours, a few days. Uh, but in terms of professionalism, you know, and connecting with Gen Z in, in that way, yeah, I, I think if, if my boss told me to, to, to text them, I would text them. I wouldn't necessarily just, uh, you know, submit to that as, as the standard. Um, but I think it, it's, it's important to recognize that that's what we do. Um, and so if you're not adaptable to that, then that could be a problem going forward. Do you feel weird at all if 
say you you mentioned your boss, mm-hmm. but for people that might be considered authority figures or older figures in your life, is it weird if they were to text you? Like, or do you find that that's like a completely appropriate relationship to be having? Say that it was an internship and your supervisor texted you versus sent everything via email cor- a correspondence. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's a hard question because I think a lot of it has to do with you know the situation you're in. But I, I definitely would say that it's if I get a text from a supervisor, then I know. I mean, maybe it's a little weird at first, but then I know that that's how they want to communicate, and I'm obviously fine with that, and that's easier for me. Um, it's just kind of like the initial, like, oh, I guess this person is is okay with doing this, and that's that sounds good to me. So. So you'd kind of take the cues of who the other person is. Okay. So our research is also just really pointing out nothing. I don't think anything surprising, but that young people today are not emailing and they're not phone calling nearly as much. And I think that you kind of talked about how FaceTime might be creeping into like traditional phone call space, because why would you just hear someone's voice? ironic we're talking about this on a podcast where you can't see our faces but why would you just hear someone's voice when you could also see their face but let's like get into the nitty-gritty and talk about email and your thoughts on email because the research that's showing that we're seeing both in our quantitative and qualitative it's not very preferred and then when your generation gets to those spaces it's not as frequently used can you shine some light on that? I have my theories and where I think some of it's coming from, but I would love your perspective. Um, and I think this is getting into, you know, like you said, the, the meat of the conversation and something I'll, I want to bring up eventually is that trust and, and trustworthiness online is is the single most important factor, in my opinion, for all communication with Gen Z. I mean, to touch on phone calls a little bit, you know, the, part of the reason I don't pick up the phone half the time is because I get 10, 15 calls a day that are spam, the robocalls that you get, you know, from a number that looks familiar, but that's, that's not an actual number asking for, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so phone calls are kind of not becoming obsolete. I mean, I, I still use them, but just definitely a less trusted uh, area because somehow everyone has my phone number now. Um, and, and I think that, that touches on emails a little bit too. Um, you know, the fact that you sign up for some random service online and then you get 10, 15 emails from them, uh, every, you know, every day is you end up having to put them in your spam. I think it's just kind of like the overwhelm, overwhelming desensitization of, of email and of phone calls. Um, so I, I wouldn't say actually that, that emailing is not preferred. I mean, I could be an exception, but I use email a, a frequent amount. I, especially in a professional setting, I think people in Gen Z are very comfortable doing that. Um, you know, like I said, if that's the, the tone that the person you're communicating with has set, then that's something, you know, that I'm very comfortable doing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it all comes down to trust. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, when I'm looking for a product, if the product emails me, I'm not going to pay as much attention to it because I get so many of those and it's just, it's just another one that I'm going to put in the trash, in the trash can. Um, but in, at the same time, like, you know, if someone's reaching out to me to, to get to know me and the only a lot of times the only way they can do that is by email and then I'd be happy to respond that way. So that's that's really helpful that this there's like an element of trust that is a component of it because we've also seen in some of our qualitative work around uh, email communication just being generally slow compared to text messaging and the kind of reservation that email is more of a professional medium as opposed to other spaces. And again, our studies have been done with college students a little earlier in their career where maybe the the habit of 
emailing hasn't kicked in full swing, but I mean, I've interacted with some of your peers on campus and they're like, yeah, I don't read those emails all that often because there's too many, or I just get saturated with them, or it just doesn't seem as important. So I might only check it maybe once a day or once every other day. And I think that's an interesting generational kind of shift that's taking place. I would be curious, you know, for you, it seems like you're navigating a variety of different spaces between your peers and professors and professional settings. How do you vary your communication to be, or do you vary your communication to be effective? And in what ways are you doing that? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it varies between professional and peers. And then it also varies within the peer environment and even honestly within the professional environment. I mean, from a professional standpoint, I think, uh, you know, email, I, I, is initially one of the ways that I reach out, but I, LinkedIn is also a huge tool that I'm I'm a, a huge supporter of, and I know we connected that way. Um, I think it's just so easy to to find you know people with common interests and people with common backgrounds. Um, they're doing awesome things, uh, and so that's a way I reach out a lot. Um, but also in terms of a peer to peer basis, you know, there's if you look at kind of the major social media platforms, I, I would say Instagram is is definitely more of a a social impression kind of thing. If, if you want to make, you know, if you just met someone and you want to check out what their life is like in a matter of two minutes, then you go on their Instagram and scroll through their feed. Um, and I, I would, I wouldn't say it's the best representation of who they are. I think it's a little bit, uh, a little bit fake in terms of what, what people put on there. Um, that's just a personal opinion, but you know, honestly, I think even Twitter, uh, Twitter is my favorite social media by far. And I think, the communication style on that platform is, is very unique and it tells a lot about who you are. Um, I actually have a friend who's developed a Twitter based AI system for dating that just kind of analyzes the, uh, their Twitter feed and shows what they like and don't like and what they've retweeted and, and matches people like that. And I think, you know, besides that idea, it's just, a, it's a very, it's a platform that allows you to express yourself a little more and kind of get a real inside look at that. That is fascinating that they've created a dating app from Twitter. I'm terrified to run my profile through it, to be completely honest. So with keeping up with trends, like what's keeping up with the cool with the kids is part of this podcast. Can you identify any trends in communication that we should be keeping an eye out on or for without being too creepy about what the cool kids are doing? But, you know, are there any cool trends that are that you're seeing among your peers that um, that are a little bit different or on the rise? I was thinking a lot about this and uh, I think to go to touch on trustworthiness one more time, um, you know, because there's so much, so much information out there, I think that's one of the, you know, main takeaways is that, you know, we get an influx of phone calls, emails, social media alerts, news, notifications. I mean, all this is coming second by second to our phones and to our computers and stuff. And, you know, I think there's to a degree, some sort of desensitization to that. Um, and so when that happens, it's kind of like, you know, if, uh, in, in one of my classes, I'm learning about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, there's, there's that basic level of physiological um, needs, you know, that kind of just the, the elementary things that are out there. And then above that, there's a, there's a social and emotional level. And so for me, something I, I've, I think is going to be important to communicate with, with members of Gen Z is that because there's so many of that basic level stuff out there, that we're going to start to need to communicate at a higher level where we're reaching more engaging needs of people and, and I mean by that, you know, the social and emotional levels. Um, I think communicating in a way where we can kind of skip that, you know, this is my product, this is what it does, 
and, and going straight to the, this is my product and you know, here's how it's going to help you in a, or, you know, some, some way to, to relate to them in, an, in a higher level. Um, just because, because there's so much out there, like I don't need to, I hear all the time, all that basic stuff. And I just, I want something more engaging, something I'm going to e- going to be easily able to, to differentiate from what's out there. Um, so I, I know it's not exactly a trend that's going on right now, but I think kind of based on what's out there and based on the values we hold, that that might be something pretty important going forward. So really it's, it's not only just the message, but the depth of the message that's taking place as well. So don't just try to, you, you know, said sell me the product, but I also think about how this takes place and like almost the demand for, um, true and authentic and, um, meaningful conversations between even peers and sure you want to connect with people that you can laugh and have a good time with but i think that your generation and most generations are also looking to places like social media and these communication platforms for connection and i think the meaningful conversations are a huge piece of that so i think that's a great point of a trend doesn't necessarily have to always be the app that someone's using but really what they're desiring from those apps maybe and, and part of the to, just sorry to add on to that um you know Part of the reason why I think Twitter is, is so effective is that rather than just, you know, Twitter essentially is just a bunch of news and information that's out there. But what's so interesting about it and why I love it is that you're able to see, you follow your friends on there. And so then you see what they like and you see what they retweet. And so that's kind of like that extra level where you're getting, you know, your social needs are, you know, you base who you follow, you know, who you follow is who you like to be around. And so you know, what they're liking, what they're retweeting is something that is now more interesting to you because that's connecting to you at a different level rather than just seeing that basic, and this is what's happening today in, in Korea, right? I mean, it's just, there's a whole different level of connection there. It is. It's a really unique curation mm-hmm. of news and information. I joke with one of my friends, um, like grad school colleague, I follow her mom on Twitter and she's not even on Twitter, but her mom is. And so like, I follow her mom, but her mom like has really interesting um political like stuff that yeah. she follows and i was like honestly if your mom wasn't so active on twitter i wouldn't know half the things that are going on in our government and she's like it's weird that you follow my mom so intently on twitter i'm like i don't i won't take it back um she's one of my favorite people now so never met this woman but she has great tweets anyways um so there's always this interest in wanting to engage with gen z that's a huge piece of people that listen they want to know like how do i connect with with young people today so in a variety of different capacities what are some of, in your opinion, some good strategies that um, people maybe of older generations or maybe within the generation can be utilizing to to communicate more effectively and connect yeah. with Gen Z? Definitely number one, I would say be more authentic. Um, I, I just think there's, you know, like I said, there's so much out there, so much to go through. What really is going to get to us is the authenticity aspect. Um, and, and I feel, speaking for my peers, I think pick up pretty quickly on some of the BS that's out there. And so, um, you know, if someone's able to step up to us and have a, just a real authentic conversation, I think that goes a lot farther than you might think. I think that that is something that I've actually continually heard from a few different guests on the show. So if you are of an older generation and you are paying attention, be yourself. They think it's cool. Um, so Andrew, I just have one more question for you. And I ask this of all of my guests, what is your favorite thing about your generation Z peers? Yeah. Um, I have to say, honestly, they're so passionate about so many different things. Um, you know, I think part of that's due to the fact that we have so much at our disposal to learn from. Um, and so we can access things so quickly. Uh, but you honestly, you talk to, you walk up to a college student on campus and 
Um, maybe it's something unique about Vanderbilt, but, but, you know, you walk up to them and you learn what they're doing and you realize that they're also involved in 10 other things and doing, you know, X, Y, and Z while also being a member of a Greek organization and, you know, taking, doing babysitting on the weekends and all this stuff. And it, I just think, you know, there's so many things going on. And the fact that people are able to manage all that is just so impressive. Um, and I, you know, I, every person you meet here is doing different things and doing cool things. And I think that's just like a, an awesome, awesome element of, of, of this generation of people. Yes, I agree with you that in my witnessing of your peers on campus and those that I interact with in, in other capacities, the, the very passionate and informed bunch of people that I'm lucky to know and learn from. So I want to thank you for hopping on today and talking more about how we can communicate with Gen Z, what's going on in terms of communication methods and styles and, and what's important in those communication methods. And I, you know, thank you for doing good work and working with some brands and, and helping them better engage Gen Z because I'm big believers in you all. And um, I think that if we as older generations learn a little bit from y'all, we're going to be in a good place. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I want to send a big thank you to my guest, Andrew Roth. It has been great to be connected with Andrew on campus and bounce ideas around with him, but it was also wonderful to have him today to be able to share more about his experiences. I appreciate his insights on the motivation behind Generation Z's communication preferences and behaviors. His thoughts resonate with our qualitative work in this area and highlight the need to continually understand communication preferences. I often find that misunderstandings and communication preferences can be a great source of friction in multi-generational organizations and groups. While I've been studying this area for a while, I'm reminded how important it is to stay informed and up-to-date on changing patterns in communication. Despite the fact we lean on communication as a primary point of productivity in our work, it is easy to gloss over the critical relationship building that can take place through our communication strategies. And if I know anything about Generation Z, those relationships are paramount. I also want to send a big thank you to you for tuning into this episode as I kick off season two. I can't tell you how excited I am for the topics I'm exploring in the lineup of incredible guests this season. If you enjoyed this episode, you really don't want to miss all the fun in season two. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show, and it also helps other listeners find the show. I do want to give you just a quick sneak peek into what's going down in season two. You can be looking forward to episodes that focus on designing learning environments for Generation Z, engaging Generation Z and helping them find their voice in activism and advocacy, mental health trends and support, and Generation Z when it comes to religion and spirituality. But that's just to name a few topics. I created this podcast because I wanted to continue to learn about Generation Z and share their stories. There's so much more going on with this group beyond just the numbers we see in research. As always, if you have a topic you'd like to learn more about or a member of Generation Z that I need to connect with, please let me know. You can reach me on my website, meganmgrace.com. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-M-Grace.com. And send me a note through my website or we can connect on social media. My handle or username is meganmgrace on all platforms. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Cheers to season two. And thanks again for tuning in. Let's continue this conversation and we'll chat soon. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, 
working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.